Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's up, man? Just, uh, I'm just trying to figure out how I can be a little more innovative. I'm feeling like I'm in the zone today, baby. Are you? Why? I'm in the zone. Why? Just ready to just take over the world? I'm ready to innovate. Let's go. You know what really helps when it comes to innovation is being around other people that are trying to do the same thing. It does a lot because listening to your dumb relatives that think you're crazy are not a good influence. True. True. You need to be around other people who are as crazy as you as an entrepreneur. You know who who is as crazy as we are as entrepreneurs? <laughs> Today's guest, Kevin McGinnis, who is the CEO of the Keystone Community Corporation. Hi, Kevin. Hey, guys. What's going on? Just uh, another day here in Startup Hustle Nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Hustle Nation yeah, is alive so, and kicking. Kevin, you have a really interesting background and you're also leading a an amazing project for our city first off thank you ahead of explaining what that is but um you know let let's first talk about your history a little bit okay. and then we'll kind of lead that up into the innovation district that you are going to build yeah yeah so so kevin who are you yeah this is uh oh deep thoughts yeah. from kevin mcginnis this is going to be a problem already <laughs> that's where i need a sound effect but yeah yeah like the boing no noise, no like really wah, kind of like wah. like a like a, a wandering kind of gentle like walking down a path <laughs> kind of you know meandering sound all right back to back to the podcast yeah so my background um a lot of people don't know this, but I started on the, the phones in outbound telemarketing at Sprint like 25 years ago. So wow. started at the ground floor and uh, I did spend 24 years there, but was really blessed to stay at the front edge of the business the entire time. Never felt like I was kind of in the core. So I was always working on, you know, we established retail and long distance was doing that. We established kind of the first relational uh, marketing engine back in the 90s, did some of that work. Um, I mean, your example of the guy who really climbed the corporate ladder. Yeah, I was just thinking like mailroom. Yeah, that's like one step above it. Yeah, a little bit or like below that. it. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it could have been below it. I'm not sure. I think about outbound call center. And I think I'd rather work in the mailroom. It was not a good job. Yeah. You know, I, I, it wasn't the worst job. It was a great had. job because it got you into the ones that you did later. Right? That's right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, t I tell people this all the time that most of the most important skills that you'll learn in your professional career are oftentimes in your very first job. And it's True. not necessarily what you'll learn later on when you get into more sophisticated roles or higher roles in an organization or something. But I, I learned a lot in the restaurant industry. I worked in a meatpacking plant and then the call center. Um, that was, you know, such an, a great opportunity to learn communication skills to yeah. overcome failure and rejection. I mean, that's really what outbound, outbound telemarketing is all about. So. Full scale uh, COO was once our intern at a, a completely different company. So, I mean, you got to start somewhere for sure and get your foot in the door. So now you ended up doing some other stuff right? with Sprint that's uh, relevant. It's actually not what we're going to talk about today, but it kind of is related. I mean, you were involved in the Sprint Accelerator, weren't you? Yeah, it's part of the story, I guess. Yeah. You know, when, when people ask how did Keystone start, it kind of started when I was running the product organization at Sprint and we were trying to figure out how do we as a large corporation handle innovation? Um, and 
you know, we spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley talking to VCs, trying to get access to portfolio companies that they had. We spent a lot of time, you know, we were partners at MIT Media Lab, Singularity University, things like that. And then it dawned on us that, you know, perhaps there's this inbound marketing model where we could throw out a shingle and invite entrepreneurs to come solve our problems for us. And that was the genesis of the Sprint Accelerator was, you know, how do we attract entrepreneurs to the company? And um, how do we do that here in Kansas City from a community perspective? Yeah, so we smile for the selfie stick. <laughs> oh, it got it. your bald spot. That was perfect. Dude, the, the, the best part about the selfie stick, which you can find those pictures when they turn out well. <laughs> I've been, I've been told I, they're teaching me how to use my phone. They're like, you need to wipe the thumbprint off your lens. I'm like, Oh, that's why they're not working. Um, yeah. So you can check those out at, at startup hustle podcast on Instagram. So at the sprint accelerator, I mean, what did you guys learn about how to, you know, attract or bring business in? I mean, what was the key there? Cause that, that's a pretty, that the sprint accelerator is still a pretty vibrant part of sprint, isn't it? Yeah. Still going yeah. now. Still going now. Um, is it officially the tech stars accelerator now, or is that different? Nope, that's different. It is different. So okay. when we opened the Sprint Accelerator, um, my belief was the executives at Sprint wouldn't trust me to run an accelerator. They uh -huh. thought it was rocket science or something more complicated than it was. So how do you bring in someone who's doing this, partnering with corporations, and so recruited tech stars to come to Kansas City? And they were the operating entity behind the Sprint Accelerator. Okay. That part of the cohort. Okay. Uh, for the first three years. And then our contract expired with them. Um, we wanted to modify the model. Techstars is pretty okay. rigid about that early stage yeah. model. And so now so, they both exist? Yes. Oh, so okay. That was the part exist. I missed. Okay. Yep. So Techstars now has a city program here that Lisa Mitchell runs. Um, they're taking a hiatus this year while she's yeah. in Indianapolis. And then Sprint still does their program and started partnering with Dairy Farmers of America a couple of years ago. Uh, and so it's kind of a, a shared program between Sprint and Dairy Farmers of America. Didn't so, you recently use Dairy Farmers of America as an example of people that didn't use tech? And then you were, and then whoever was here was like, um, actually they're pretty big. You probably yeah. got shamed after that comment a little bit because I was surprised to find out what they do. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And I had, I think someone had just told me prior to that, but I would have had the same impression, but that, you know, and then, you know, but they're the largest privately owned company in Kansas city. And Are then, they really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. And they're a massive at the moment. Company. At the moment, we're going to change that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you heard it here first. Yeah. So there how, you go. How, there do you, go. how have these? How well have these accelerators worked for Sprint to like achieve their goals? Like Sprint's goal of this accelerator. Like, did they achieve their goals of doing this, or was it just strictly a community project that it didn't really matter? Or it's a it's an interesting question because it depends on who you talk about mm -hmm. or who you talk to in the company about what their goals are. So years ago, our former or Sprint's former uh, head of corporate communications, a guy named Bill White, used to say that all of the money that we put into the accelerator was worth it just from a PR perspective. Sure. I mean, Sprint elevating their brand as an innovator, yeah. Sprint getting out in the Absolutely. startup community, those yeah. types of things. Just that investment um, has been you know tremendous for that company. Um, the opportunity to use it as a business development channel, you know, throw out the problems, get answers back to things that you're trying to solve for. I mean, it's kind of like first party research. Yeah, to me, the most research. valuable thing would be we had this problem at, when I, at Vin Solutions, right? When I, when you know, we were doing 30 million a year and there were all sorts of projects we'd love to do and didn't have time to do. Like it would have been great to like in sprints, you know, orders of magnitude bigger, right? Like we have these projects we'd like to do, but we don't have anybody to do them. Can we bring some smart entrepreneurs in to come help us solve these challenges and solve these, pro you know, problems? Like, 
I would have loved that back then. And I was a little bitty company. Compared I think to that. that's, one right. of the, that's one of the things that we see from all the corporations. That's one of the reasons we're doing Keystone is because when you go talk to corporate innovation teams, it's the same story everywhere. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I was listening to a podcast you guys did with Darcy and I think you nailed it where, you know, these big companies, they're focused on their core business model. They're focused on being as efficient as they can possibly be and scaling as fast as they can around that core business model. But they all are starting to understand that innovation is a part of their future. Yep. Yeah. So they hire one or two people and they give right. them a little bit of money and they say, go. With, well, they lack, they lack agility. Well, with Darcy, were yeah. we talking about HR Block? Uh, yeah. We were talking, yeah, we we're talking about, I mean, and for and like they were an it, example, like they kind of spun out. Yeah, and if you want to get innovation, if, if you're listening, group. you want to check that out. That uh, that episode's titled "Innovation Gap," and it was just it it had to do with you know the lack of big companies working efficiently with small companies, um, and you know some of the issues with megacorps like Sprint is well, they just don't move quickly on a lot of stuff. They're just that you know trying to change things or do different stuff is the equivalent of trying to like turn a battleship around in a swimming pool. You, you know, and, and some of that. So and then there's not a lot of big companies. And Matt, you've talked about that in the past, about how it's sometimes difficult for a big company to do business with a startup size company because they're just not always a good match. Well, and they send me a, a hundred page security RFP, questionnaire yeah, document. Right. And I'm like, yep. nope, don't have time to do this for yeah. the $200 a month you're going to pay me. Yeah, yeah. You're outsourced legal against their tenant terms yeah. sitting across the table is no match. Yeah. Um, but, but waste you know, of money and time. Back to your point, Matt. It was I, I got to figure out. Back to your you can, point, Matt Watson. You can call me. You can call me Matt and just call him Watson. Fair enough. You're um, the other. This Matt. is the Matt and Watson show. The Matt yeah, and we, Watson yeah, show. Well, it was the Matt and DeCourcy show. <laughs> I just want to go on record as saying you two have accomplished bucket list items that I, I have not yet accomplished, and oh, I just God. want to call them out right now. So do you, it. So so Matt, you're an author, and I think yeah. that's really cool. Thanks. And you have reached celebrity status where you can demand a three pound. A bucket of blue slash green M and Yeah, talking to Matt. That's Matt Watson. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty amazing to me. And and once again, why the why do you need a seahorse in your dressing room? And why do you need a dressing room? It's for good karma. Seahorse was not looking good this morning. For good karma. Is he not supposed to eat the M and M's? Because that might be those those don't go together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe my assistant's feeding him M and M's. By the way, so we'll take a break for a a fact about Kevin McGinnis, which is probably not going to be a recurring thing on the show, but it is today. Kevin is the founder of the Sprint Accelerator. That's a big deal. I mean, that's like a big deal. Like, think about that. Like you founded something that over a long, long period of time has had a profound effect on a lot of businesses. We've talked about that here. Like how many jobs did you create? You know, that's Watson's got a huge, a, a huge number from Ben and some other things. And, you know, look at that. And like, I mean, these are the things that people do that matter. Yeah, it's really cool. And like just showing up, like, you know, having a purpose, a, a purpose driven life or whatever you want to call it like is what you're doing does what you're doing matter uh, it matters man that was i mean i guarantee you there's a ton of businesses uh how many went through that whole the sprint accelerator or have do you do you know well i mean you're in your like sixth year you've gone an average of i mean i think the last two years they haven't reached 10 in the class because they changed the model but you're talking somewhere That's around 40, you know, 40, 50, yeah, 40 companies. 50 companies that have come through there many of them have stayed in kansas city and, and are growing and that's, that's awesome and, and that's the, what we but, need but that was a right. big what getting accepted into that is a timeline moment for all those people for all those yes. people that's a big deal Absolutely. for them you know and 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 you know here's the thing is if people don't take the initiative to do ballsy stuff 
like setting this up? Because at some point you're setting this up and people are like, yeah, well, this isn't what we do. We're, we're a phone company, you know, and you're like, well, we need, might need to do a little more than phones. I actually want to transition into what you're working on now because that is like the what you it takes what you've done in the past and it jacked it up on steroids and it's a way more ambitious thing we're talking about a whole district a whole like I, I'll let oh, i'm excited explain. i want to hear about this dude it's huge i, I want to say and thanks for the invite i went to a round table kevin had invited me to come down and, and talk about it and there was there's quite a few startup hustle alumni there. Um, ah. Yeah, but talking about the dish, I didn't even realize that you guys were doing this, and it's awesome. And I want you to talk about it. Yeah, it was one of those things, you know, as I left Sprint in early 18 and kind of reflected on what I wanted to do next, what was going to be the next chapter, and spent some time thinking about what were those moments throughout my career that I wanted to replicate, I wanted more of. And some of them that had come back to me were moments from the accelerator where I had folks like Beck, who said, hey, you kind of changed my life. Like, thanks for starting this program. Is that super dispatch? Yeah. Founder, yeah. yeah. And then, and there's been other entrepreneurs that have said similar things. Was, did point. they go through the Sprint Accelerator? Yeah. yeah. And that's a great company now. Yeah. Great company. I've talked to Beck before and he's a really intelligent guy. Great company for our city. So reflecting on listening to the startups and listening to the founders talk about how that's changed their lives, listening to some of the people that have come through programming and it's changed their trajectory. And how do you just do that on a grander scale? How do you yeah. do that so you can impact the entire region? And um, in 2014, there's an initiative called Casey Rising, which is all of the civic yep. councils, uh, civic organizations had come together to kind of develop a 20 year economic outlook and, and regional plan. And they had split that into three groups. One of them was focused on innovation and entrepreneurship and why that's important to a regional economy. And we had come up with this idea that we needed to extend corporate engagement. We needed more corporations participating in our innovation ecosystem, participating in our entrepreneurial ecosystem. And this idea of innovation hub, how do you bring them together? We don't have a big company in Kansas City that's going to you know, spring $100 million on an innovation center and all this innovation program. We don't have a Microsoft. We don't have an Amazon. We don't have a, a Procter & Gamble here in Kansas City. So we need to build a platform that allows them to efficiently invest in something they can collectively use. So something like the Sprint Accelerator, except multiple corporations, you know, a dozens of corporations from Kansas City all kind of co-opting the opportunity there. But how do you do it so it's good for the region? So it's good for the people that live here. So it's good. So it promotes inclusive prosperity. Um, how do you just exponentially change kind of the, the, the city? And that's really was kind of the genesis of Keystone. And spent some time traveling around the country and, and trying to figure out what were our peer cities doing? We rank, you know, when you look at our 30 peer cities. So, so before you go on, and just to kind of simplify that a little bit, Kevin's talking about building a district inside of it. And these exist in what, a dozen, 15, some cities, like actual city blocks yeah, that are dedicated towards the end their innovation districts. They're like zoned and ready for like startups. And so what does that getting, mean, though? Getting that, people together. It's but, like, but it's, it's like co-working, but not. So well, there's a technical definition, and that's one of the things that I think we found challenging is that a lot of people will say, hey, this mixed use facility where you've got co-working and you've got you know, a business and you have some of that's an innovation district. And that's not really the case. So MIT, Brookings, they've all done research on why does innovation happen in specific places more than others? There's this whole the world is flat. You can work anywhere. You can do anything because of connectivity right. and all that. 
But innovation still happens more specifically in places. And well, people need help. Somebody like Beck, he's like, I got an idea, but I don't know about how to do this. I don't know how to do that. So if he can surround himself with peers like him and guys like you and and us and other mentors or whatever, then he can get the help he needs. For sure. Right? On the entrepreneurial side, that's exactly All right. That how do you bring those resources to bear, identify the ones that are going to grow and give them the right resources. On the ideation side, though, uh, innovation-driven entrepreneurship. We always talk about net new jobs come from startups, and everybody talks about small business being where most of that happens. But when you look at a regional economy, small business is sharing dollars within the economy. How do you get dollars in from the outside? It's typically innovation-driven startups. It's the ones that are technology, research, or science. There's some kind of disruptor there where they're actually an enterprise and they're generating the majority of their revenue from outside the market. The, the creation of those typically happens where you have universities, corporations, entrepreneurs, and risk capital kind of all in the right. same place. And how do you bring them all together and then create programming that ties them together? It's not just about co-location. But to your point, Matt, we're building a neighborhood. I mean, but we have to, the, the co-location matters. You know, like here's the thing is, I'm, I mean, if you're like right around the corner or a block away or whatever, I mean, it, think about how easy that becomes to get in front of whomever. You know, and that's one of the things that we've talked about because, you know, Full Scale and, and Stack of I share an office here in Kansas City and you were just out there. We're, we're, we're colliding. We're growing. The, both companies are growing so quickly that, you know, we have to, full scale needs to move to its own place soon enough. And, you know, we're like, we all live south uh, of downtown in Kansas City. And, you know, we're like, God, and the thing that always rattles in my head is like, God, I got to make sure people still are willing to come see us. And if you're really far away from where everyone needs you to be, it makes it harder. There's more obstacles in the way. But if you're right around the corner, sure, I'll stop by. I'll be there in five minutes or something like that. You make it really easy. And, and I think that that's important. And then also just the whole concept of, of hey, we're here to innovate. It's like co-working is the same way. It's like the collisions that sharing a co-working space might be worth the expense just because of the other people you'll meet. It's the same thing, but this is a little more um, sophisticated and advanced for, you know, eventually, like if you're at WeWork or something like that, you're going to outgrow it. So yes. let me ask you guys a, a, an experiential question, right? So uh, the, experiential, the, so. I said it correctly this time I've learned, sorry. <laughs> this has been when, a challenge. Yeah, well, it was when we had Corey Moan from BB caps in here, I said it wrong at least nine times. And is, then I quit trying. Is it in here? Have baby love, been, co baby, baby love loves coding. coding does not have at least I, well, I haven't read the whole thing. You're I'm getting, I'm work, working through it. Love I have not run into experiential, but it does have algorithm a bunch. So that, so the best ideas you've ever had, have they been intentional in their creation no. or do they come in very serendipitous kind of moments? They were accidents. They were things that evolve or accidents or aha moments. Yeah. And I, I think that's what you create when it, you create one of these places is you, is there was a, Last Thursday in Kansas City, there were five entrepreneurial events all over the city. Yeah. And, and I talked to a lot of people that were struggling with, which one do I go to? Um, what if they were all, or what if three of the five were in kind of a similar location in a similar neighborhood? Mm -hmm. And then worst case scenario, when they were over, they all spill out into the same bar. They all spill out into the right. same yeah. restaurant. Yep. And then you get people starting to talk and share. And, and, and to me, that's, that's almost how I envision all of San Francisco. Right. Right. Like all of San Francisco is that way. There's so many tech jobs or tech Austin people. or Tel Aviv yeah. or New York. Now. I it's mean, just like the whole city. Right. You know? Well, some of the um, some of the things like there was an article in the paper today talking, you know, Kansas City just shot way up the rankings list for like 
startups for like the percentage of businesses for the growth and whatever. And it's because of stuff like this, like we're growing, we're evolving. And you know, here's the thing. Um, for, I mean, we have listeners in 174 countries. If you're not even here, we're in the middle of the United States. We are the 25th biggest market in the United States. It's not like we're not New York or not Boston. We're not San Francisco, Miami, any of that stuff. We are Kansas city. So, but with that, you get a lot of advantages. There's a lot of cost savings and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about at your roundtable meeting was, you know, highlighting the fact like our, our city's actually, it's, it's, it's become cool again, you know, and like our downtown and some of those areas. So you're talking about having the innovation district, but what's important as well is to have other things that not just like, Hey, here's a district and it's just, you know, put it in the middle of a, of a cornfield. It won't be the same, but what you're talking about doing here in town is right next to the cultural centers. So this would be down near crossroads. Yeah, where exactly would this be? And like, is it like, is it a group of existing buildings that are all going to change nope. to be mixed use? Or like, how does this actually play out? Yeah, so there's different models for how these things come about. Typically, they're built around an anchor institution, like an R1, you know, you know, the, the top level of a research university in a lot of our peer cities. We don't have one of those. Okay. And so the other ways is it's usually an urban revitalization project. Okay. Where do you find fill-in opportunities where you can kind of build this from the ground up? Well, you're also not going to like ridiculously genderify the existing community as exactly. well. Yeah, exactly. And so when we looked at the Kansas City region, which, by the way, is this huge geography that's split by all of these divisions, which oh, yeah. is part of our problem. And states. And yeah. we looked at all of these tw- like 12 areas around the city and benchmarked them against kind of the best practices of placemaking close to urban core, close to creative class, right? That's a huge piece of what we're talking about. The ability to be accessible to the entire region, walkable though. I mean, downtown made a lot of sense. So the 18th street corridor between the East Crossroads and 18th and Vine okay. is kind of where we're targeting right okay. now. So literally the first um, parcel of land that we're looking to develop and put a new building on is eight, uh, the Northeast corner of 18th and Troost. So do you guys have to go up? Somebody has to go acquire all this land and buildings or is there stuff there today or is it not stuff there today? It's going to be a mix of those things, right? So um, this first parcel of land, we were awarded an RFP. Kansas City Area Transportation Authority had put out an RFP. They own the land. And obviously there's some neighborhoods down there that are probably pretty blighted that you could bulldoze a whole part of a neighborhood. I mean, if you really had to or wanted to. There's some areas like that. You don't even need to do that because I saw your plan for it. Some of it's just like like parking, like one of the areas is like, it's just a huge parking lot for buses. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you're not, you're not displacing really anyone. It's like, um, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of that, but not really. I mean, it was, it was very repurposable. Yeah. You have to and, be- and you have, a, you've put a lot, you guys have put a lot of thought and consideration into not being disruptive right. to like people's homes. Like, Hey, where can we put this and not like make everyone have to move out because we just shot the real estate value up and they can't pay the taxes on their home. And now we've created a different problem trying to make something else better. Yeah. This isn't come in and get it because it's cheap. This is come in and get it because it's the right location for the programming and for what you want to do. And I think one of the other things that we can add is the opportunity to really kind of bridge, I think the gap from a population perspective in where is tech and where is you know, the East side community. Well, that of part of town is definitely moving, moving away from where it normally is, right? Like that's a little further East than normally you would see these things. Right. Right. That's good. By the way, I have, um, I have something to tell you guys that I think you'll be excited because it helps the economic development of our city. So full scale, Matt and I own full scale, fullscale.io. Go check it out. 
we just um, became the official development partner of Launch KC. Nice. So we're giving a ten thousand um, dollar development credit to all fifteen companies that are going to go through that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that um, that's the kind of stuff that I think is important. That you know, we have clients that are all over the world at this point, and a couple hundred employees growing really quickly. But with that, you know, we are hometown advocates and these are companies that are going to be present here in our hometown. Some of them are going to move here for that. And we're trying to branch out and do more of that. Like, and that's the kind of stuff we would want to support in your innovation district. Yeah. Gratuitous shout out to you guys. Seriously. Um, the, the networking opportunities that you provide people right now with what you guys are doing with the sweet and greet. Those Um, are fun. The opportunity to elevate what we're doing here through what you're doing with this podcast uh, and then also the generosity I think you guys have demonstrated with full scale uh, back to the development community, back to the entrepreneurial community. Thank you. For, between for, between for, that, for the community, thank you. Between that and the software investments that we've made, I mean, we're well on pace to hit the million dollars that we thought we were going to, yeah, that we were going to pledge back to our yep. hometown. I mean, that was the thing that came out, and that was ambitious. That was ambitious because I mean, our company's still young. And to, you know, so, but that's all driven by the growth of our company. Like the more, and we work with a lot of local companies and uh, like they're all over. I mean, they all have the same problem. They can't find software developers and we help them with that. We make it easy, but you know, part of that, it's the revenue that's created from that, that we're, you know, we put a portion of that aside and put it back into our hometown. So, so tell me more about this innovation district. You said the first thing you're going to do is build a building. So is that going to be, you know what, the first, wait, wait, space? but wait, 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 before we talk about it, I think they're the first thing we need to do is get something out of the way. All right. Because I don't want to have to interrupt Kevin later to do this. All but right. Kevin is probably the most excited of all guests we've ever had to play next day. Oh, and, and they're okay. So today's winner of mixtape, not only do they get to fire the money gun, the money gun's filled with hundreds today. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, hundreds. Yeah. Crazy. That's what a loaded money gun sounds like filled with hundreds. So we're going to just get this out of the way, and then you're going to tell us more about this innovation. You might even pay for it Fair based enough. on the money. what's in the money gun. Yeah, let's go. Watson's nervous because he's the one that loaded it. The first kiss on a bridge with the crush from your youth. Name the song. What song would be I've got? I've got one. Is it Fuck You by CeeLo Green? No. Okay. That's the cheat, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a cheat code. The cheat code. Yeah, although, it, yeah, it's a little dicey on this one. <laughs> now, I've, I've, I've can, got a fun one. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you what I would like want playing now if it were to happen again. I can't think about what might have been well, this playing is about your. This is about you was... being in control, and I need to focus because I need to come up with something. I'm not known for being romantic. so I'm just going to is... throw out all of me, John Legend. You have to, so I don't even know. It. You're going to probably have to sing it. I'm, I'm not going to do that. No, <laughs> Come on. How bad mic- do you want to win this? Because I'm staring into a microphone. Maybe and and you're on video technically. And when we finally get around to uploading this, we'll. All right. I'm going to go with Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. Oof. Mm, man. God, that's tough to beat. That's romantic. That's a sweet <laughs> moment. I'm just trying to picture that. In my First head. kiss How in your goes. youth, man. Yeah. You know what you're thinking about. Yeah. I'm going with Nucky by Lent Biscuit. Oh. Oh. I came into this world as Damn, a reject. You did. Look into these eyes. Should I read the whole? Yeah. Do a dramatic reading? Well, yeah. we got to vote here. Kevin, I love you, but I'm voting for Watson. It's rare. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to. Uh, it's, I, you can't vote for yourself. No, uh, so I'm going to vote for him. So that means you got the deciding dude. vote. So I'm the deal breaker. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to have to go with Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yes! Yes! Hang on. Let me prep the video for this. Yes, give that... me this. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh. Here you go, Matt. Oh, yeah. Fire the money gun. Full of hundreds today. Let's do this. Oh, and it's. Woo! Look at that. Uh, legit full of hundreds. Check the video out on our Instagram page. All right. We're getting back to work. You don't see this every day. Uh, you really don't. I mean, sometimes yeah. you do. Sitting here taking pictures. God, this is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, how much of this? Did you count it? Do you know? How much no, is... I know exactly how much <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Count it? yeah. <laughs> Um, now give me my money. Well, Kevin, I'm sorry you didn't win. This was a special occasion. Yeah. There will probably never be hundreds in the money no gun doubt. again. So back to innovation districts. Right. God, I hate it when lost. So how does this actually work? So you said you've got the land, you got the place picked out. So is the goal now to build like a whole bunch of co-working spaces around there or little corporate offices? Like Sprint has a little office there. Like what? what is the goal? So spent time last year going and visiting you know, about 14 of these innovation districts around the country and trying to understand what makes them tick, what makes them work. And where were some of those? Yeah. So like Tech Square in Atlanta, um, the American Tobacco Campus in Durham, North Carolina. Bad name. Uh, Cool place. Yeah. Extremely cool place. Unfortunate name. Um, The, uh, you know, Cortex in St. Louis, you know, when you talk about our sister city, 16 Tech in Indianapolis, uh, Kindle Square in Boston, places like that. And so what what were some of those places doing that really stood out? Yeah. So what you realize when you go is it's not about the real estate. It's really about, you know, who are the stakeholders? What, how did you build the programming around whatever the regional advantage or strength is? And how do you get those stakeholders to all engage with each other? And so that's really the focus. This is a priceless moment. This yeah. Is amazing. Yeah. It's definitely the first time that Watson's had a handful of hundreds. My God. I'll so, take the handful of ones. Yeah. It's anyway. not about the first building. You know, there's existing building stock down there. And so how do we get access to some space and get started on the programming right away? So we're looking at how do you bring the universities? We've got seven universities who've kind of signed on to be a part of this. Yeah. It's just not the same, Matt. It really isn't. <laughs> Sorry, I got the handful of ones. God, I'm so, for those of you listening, I'm sorry that yeah. we are—we clearly have ADD. By the way, you get the thousand supreme dollars, good for one and drink of your choice in the full scale suite. This is great. Yeah. Oh, this one's signed though. Yeah, it's it's, it's special. It's actually yeah, it's it was Blake more. Miller's, but you can have edition. it. Yeah. T- shows you the street value of our of our winnings. All right, here. sorry, we're distracting you. Uh, we're going to get some space and we're going to get started on programming before we get the first building up. I mean, there, there's so a lot no of it's going to be educational for sure. Education, free education, entrepreneurship, uh, a mix. Okay. Right. It's, it's just, um, I look at it as how do you, it's building an artificial reef right now. We're kind of lowering streetcars into the ocean over time. It kind of becomes this organic ecosystem mm-hmm. and it's going to be for profits, nonprofits. Uh, we've got seven universities who've signed on so far to bring programming and re-anchor okay. institutes. So, but like part that. of it, but part of it is designed to be like office space and co-working space sure. and all that sort of stuff too. Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. How can you build density? Really? Yeah. Density and proximity. Like you really want to create an environment so, where you're fostering these so this, serendipitous collisions we always talk about. So as you talk about redeveloping the real estate around there, like who will pay for that real estate? Like who will build those buildings? It's an interesting question because half of this district is in what's called an opportunity zone. 
Um, and oh yeah, that's guess. a hot topic. Yeah, I was talking to Luke Einsel from Thirsty Coconut, who's been on the show before. He's a huge advocate of uh, the well, well, the the term again opportunity zones yeah and those are um areas that are almost like kind of tax sheltery yeah it came out of the yeah. 2017 tax act and and th so there's a lot of incentive to put capital in on the real estate development on the buildings and the way the opportunity zones are written they're written for entrepreneurs so that capital gains exemption and capital gains opportunity also applies to the businesses that operate within yeah. there nice and so I don't think there's a shortage of people that want to invest. It's do we get the right investors? It's, but it's not the city, them. right? Like the buildings, the city's not going to pay for the buildings and stuff. It's going to be but private the, but, money. But the economic zones, the city will, create the incentives that make you really that make yes. anybody really want to. But you guys have to go yeah. find uh, a private investor that wants to build the building and do that part of it. Right. right. It's a combination of those things. The city's going to invest from an infrastructure perspective, from an incentives perspective, some of those types of things. You know, the universities are going to come in and hopefully over time be able to build out um, facilities and they mm -hmm. all want kind of an urban location. Most of the universities that we're talking to are in a rural market. Right. Yep. And, and you know, love it to death. I'm a Jayhawk, but yeah. Lawrence is not uh, a beacon to draw industry over there. Yeah. The only so, real college we have in Kansas city is UMKC. Everybody else is 50, 100, 200 miles away. Yeah. So how do we build on that and pull those universities together yep. and help them innovate just yep. like big corporations, they have the same challenge and they're all faced with the same struggle. You know, post-secondary education is under attack and rightfully so too expensive, not really working for a lot of what we need in industry. So how do you bring them closer to industry? How do you bring them closer together to innovate? And so they'll pay eventually to be there, but we got to build the density and we got to build things up. So you got to go find a private investor to kind of lead the charge yep. on that first building. And we've okay. been able to do that. So, so in some sense, is this a little bit of what they tried to accomplish with the startup village, but this um, is a much bigger scale. This is much different from a scale perspective. Right. The, the challenge with startup village from the very beginning was there was once it, it was never going to get to scale it right. was in a neighborhood. Yeah. Well, and so the, and those who are listening, uh, we had a, a small area in Kansas City called the Startup Village, and it was basically a bunch of homes. There was a little bit of office space nearby. I mean, technically, that wasn't zoned for anything other than like... But it's where Google Fiber started, so it was yeah. kind of a rush to like, these were all the first houses that had Google Fiber. Right. What was the cool stuff you could do with it? And it was a fairly inexpensive area to live in, I believe. It is. You know? Yeah, because I mean, the homes were smaller. I mean, yeah, they were just fairly inexpensive. You could buy one for 100, 150 grand. Startup Village gave us three things. It gave us a great marketing opportunity to talk about Google Fiber and yeah. entrepreneurship. Um, it really led the charge in the community recognizing entrepreneurship was a, a thing that we needed to be focused on again. It was kind of the first opportunity that we had in generations to do that again. And then it also gave us Adam and Matthew. Adam Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam was, he was in, on the, he, on we the just, show. We just published, uh, if you want to listen, uh, it's called Startup Communities. And it's just uh, talking about the importance of right. startup communities um, and and around wherever you're at. And that's and why I kind of think. And like, your, your version is like the advanced version of yeah, that. It's like the evolutionary product. Yeah. This is the next, ver yeah. the next generation. Of that. We're, we're sponsors of the Kansas City Startup Foundation, too. How do you drop, um, how, how do you bring place together in Kansas City? And, and really what I'm building isn't an innovation district. It's an innovation community. Yeah. And how do you do that in a way that scales to a global magnitude where Kansas City's on the map, not just because of its regional entrepreneurship or its national entrepreneurship, but where we're actually bringing stakeholders together around 
what are some of those industries? What are the, some of those focus areas where we we're on the map from a global perspective? I like to think that Kansas City is mainly on the map because of the Startup Hustle podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when people, when the citizens of Earth think Kansas City, they don't think of the World Champion Royals <laughs> or the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> or, drop a pin or right Garmin. Here, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, that's where Startup Hustle is recorded. That's right. They'll use Garmin to find us, though. I hear that all the time. Yeah, guys. but we're gonna. I think that once we are rich enough from the podcast that generates no revenue that we'll be able to get Google to take us off the map. So how do you control who sets up camp in this district? Like, okay, you create this space, you get office space. And next thing you know, like a doctor wants to lease space on the 17th floor in this new building. And you're like, uh, nope, we don't want doctors here. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So first, first best practice that we kind of took from these other innovation districts was you need to create a kind of a convening force, an independent convening force. And that's what the Keystone Community Corporation is today. We're an independent uh, pending 501c. Almost like the homeowners association that dictates what goes on here. We're we're the independent broker that brings the stakeholders together, but we'll also be designated as master planner developer of the district. So we have to work on a governance model. We have to engage community leaders to understand what the community wants. We have to engage the city and make sure that we've got the right zoning, building regulations, all of those things. But at the end of the day, then they become somewhat the arbitrator of how do you curate a mixed use, healthy, vibrant innovation community. You know what Kansas City needs? It needs an IT park like we have in the Philippines. Yeah. And our, our office at Full Scale in Cebu is in a place called the IT Park. And it's probably 20, 30 high-rise buildings uh, all in this one little district. And the, the the first floor, the ground floor all the way around it is retail. So there's banks and there's Starbucks and there's Kentucky Fried Chicken right. and Jollibee and all this stuff. But above all of it in every one of these buildings is like Full Scale. We're there and over a hundred other businesses that are all, uh, in that case, IT related or call centers and things like that, but they're all tightly congested in this one little area. Yeah. It's all about that proximity yeah. and connectivity. And that's, um, Kansas City doesn't really have that. We, we don't have, and, and that district there in Cebu is growing like crazy. They're building new high rise buildings one after another as fast as they can. We really do look around and, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And that's what we need in Kansas City. Like, we don't have that district. It's like where every – we don't have, like, I, that IT park or whatever. Like, everybody wants to be in this area. Th- those are technically economic development zones there, too. Yeah, we get huge yeah, tax abatements. They call, they call it PEZA, um, P-E-Z-A. And we – I mean, we have, like, a four-and-a-half-year tax abatement, and we have to be within these PEZA zones, which are basically economic development zones. You know, one thing we talk about when we talk about Keystone is we talk about creating a front door to the innovation economy here in Kansas City. And, and we run into this same challenge. Like – how do you build a place for Kansas City to be close in proximity and foster, you know, the growth of more innovation driven startups, the support for those that are there that need resources yeah. and, and being co-located should help be able to apply those resources. But the other thing is we have resources outside of Kansas City that have always looked at Kansas City as a place where they'd like to be, but they don't know where to go. Right. And for them to come to Kansas City today, as spread out as we are and as fragmented as we are, very are, fragmented, they have to overinvest because they yeah. have to go to Johnson County, they have to go downtown, they have to go to Midtown. Well, Cerner's a good example of that with their campuses like triangulated around the city. I mean, just, you know, I mean, they're uh, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if that was the reason why, but. So the idea is if we can create something like what you just described, then it's easier for yeah. even external resources to come plug in and get access to the critical mass they need to be successful. Well, something like right? Cerner. 
is no different than what we what full scale would want to do in Manila. Like we don't want one office in downtown Manila yeah. because our employees live all over the place, and like right. we kind of want to surround the city, right? Either, to, or either to grab or talent right from everywhere. In the exact center of it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. But I I'm really excited to think that if we like the model of what they have in, in Cebu, like if we could build an IT park, right? We'll have this. Next thing you know, it's two blocks, three blocks, four blocks, six blocks, city so, blocks. And so what like that what that did stuff. is that reduced the, those zones there reduced that fragmented feeling. Yeah, they so, have two zones. So we know that when we're in, within that zone, that a there's already a huge number of people that are have grown accustomed to working there. Yeah. So they probably live in the close proximity, there. or they're used to at least traveling there. And power, then, internet, everything. And then another thing too is just the available access to like, can you go down to the ground floor and there's stuff. Yeah, right. restaurants or coffee shops or there. whatever and that it's nice and that it's safe um that it's modern and and mainly that it's accessible and there's a couple of them they have a business are, park yeah. and it park there yeah and, that's and by the, the way it's not downtown there it's actually a few miles or kilometers yeah um, a few kilometers how away. far is that anyway no one even knows um it's like three miles Watson away. probably does all right so a little history lesson just real quick so why is it called keystone so in the 18, in 1860, Kansas City was, I think, the 10th largest city in, in the region. Oh, man, we're dropping. In the region? In the region. Oh, in the region. Okay. In 1865, Kansas City had actually gone from 4,400 residents to 4,000 residents, and St. Joe and Leavenworth had doubled in size. Yeah, I heard like that before. Yes. Sandy yes. was talking about yes. that when he was in here, yeah. And so Possum trod? Yeah, and so 1867, a group of entrepreneurs decided that they were going to go, we'll call it steal the rights to build the first permanent crossing of the Missouri River. And in 1869, we opened the Hannibal Bridge in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. And in 1870, we had gone from 4,400 people in 1865 to 32,000 people. Wow. And we were double the size of any of the other cities. And it also opened up three new industries, the cattle industry, the railroad industry. and the All because we built industry, a bridge. Because we built infrastructure. Yeah. So to your point about we need the infrastructure. Yeah. This is, to me, the next kind of moment for us. It was built by the Keystone Bridge Company. And so that's one of the reasons that we wanted, wanted to call it the Keystone District was this is that piece of infrastructure that opens the door to those new industries. Second reason is if you think about what a Keystone is, in architecture, it's that last stone you put in a stone arch yeah. that kind of supports yep, yep, the yep. both sides. Yep. And so we're kind of connecting large corporations, entrepreneurs, universities, and industry. So we're kind of that Keystone architecture piece. But it's also, in a biology sense, it's that species that optimizes an ecosystem. So things should exist all over town. Like we're not saying we want right. to replace yeah, yeah. all the good things that are happening around Kansas City. But what's that one thing we can do that really optimizes the entire ecosystem? We think place is the answer. And so that's that's the reason that we're calling it Keystone. But I think it goes to your point about do we have the right infrastructure? Right. So, so what can people here do to support what you're doing and get involved with this? So tenancy is the first thing to think about. And that, you know, the meeting that you were in, Matt, a couple of weeks ago, it was the conversation around, would you locate your company there? Yeah. If this, as this thing gets developed. I raised my hand. I said, I would be interested in full scale having some kind of presence down there. Sure. Yeah. So I think over time, thinking about tenancy, I think thinking about, you know, participation and what can you do? It's, it's really, how do you bring the stakeholders together? So if you're a large company that's looking for innovation, this is going to be an opportunity for you to share expense, share risk, but get an exponential outcome because you're partnered with all these universities, other corporations, and you're engaged in the startup community. So the, the big like shout out to how do you get involved is for the big companies that are trying to figure out their innovation stories. This is a really easy, low risk, low expense way of doing that and coming in partnering to make that happen. I love it. Kevin's on the current same pay scale that we're on here at the podcast. 
and I and I don't point that out for any other reason. Like your intention's pretty pure here, man. Like, I mean, this is meaning like you've been a volunteer for something huge. Yeah, my startup friends get really my 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 entrepreneurial founder friends get really agitated with me, and they say, "Why did you start a nonprofit? Like, what were you thinking?" <laughs> and uh, it, it's because it's the right way to do this. Yeah. Um, so you know, over time you know, hopefully I get a salary. Hopefully, hopefully we make some money doing this, but uh, for the most that. part, I it's, said that years ago, how do you change man, the city? Can I I'm, borrow that money? You fire no, out of the gun no, you can it? have the ones or the Supreme dollars. Uh, you want the ones? No. All right. You I don't take know. the Supreme dollars or the ones. Yeah. Cause I don't know where those ones have been, man. They look kind of, I mean, I'm, they look a little weathered. Well, you get a stack of singles like that, you know, <laughs> money's dirty. Money's Whatever. dirty. Is it? Is it though? I got some up for my kid's piggy bank. I mean, I just keep collecting it. You're all for the money. You've gun. been robbing yeah, your all kid's for the piggy gun. bank yeah. for yeah, the money. They got gun. singles. Oh man. Wherever I can find. By singles. the way, for those wondering, the money gun does also accurately and effectively fire mixtape cards. Mm. So if you want to go to mixtape the game, buy the cards and then get a money gun. <laughs> it will also work. <laughs> Um, I recommend doing that in either order. So, well, Kevin, thanks for st uh, stopping by. I want to um, keep having you come in and update us on this. Um, obviously, it's uh, in its in not its infancy, but it's in its adolescent right. years, and then it's going to get all angsty in its teen years, and then it'll grow up and look back <laughs> at all of it and say, "Wow, was that really me?" Yeah, looking forward to coming back. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. I and I would definitely consider moving my company there. So I think that would yeah, yeah, definitely interested. Well, anyway, um, wherever you're listening, check it out. Your hometown might have an innovation district. If you're here in Kansas City, do something to get behind the Keystone Community Corporation. Check Kevin McGinnis out. He's everywhere. Um, not hard to find info on you. Yeah, I'll put a, a one plug in. It's it's kind of, uh, it's not there yet, but we're going to have it live. Right now, it's just a landing page. But keystonedistrict.org is where we're going to be providing updates where people can get information and stay connected to what we're doing within the community. Yeah. So keystonedistrict.org. Awesome, thank you. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.